if the deal has a large capex budget, I would also dig in a little bit and ask the the sponsor team like who's going to be managing this, who's going to be looking over it and making sure it's getting done right because yeah, once again, it, you don't want it to be under undervalued. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Hey guys, so today I'm speaking with George Abreu and George is the CEO of Elevate Commercial Investment Group and the owner of JNT Construction. He's, his company is based in Dallas and he owns properties in Texas and in Oklahoma. And today we're going to talk about CapEx and the importance of CapEx in driving returns. So without further ado, I would like to welcome George to the show today. Hey, George. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I told the listeners a little bit about you, but we'd love to hear more about what you're doing, what do you do, what you're doing today, where you want to be in three or five years. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing real estate investing in general for 15 years now, but in the last maybe three or four years, I've really found my passion for it, which is multifamily, large multifamily properties. You know, I really enjoy transforming the properties, taking something that's not so nice and, you know, coming in there and, and really fixing the community and just making a difference. And that's what I'm working on doing. We're, we've got a couple of properties closing before the end of the year and it'll put us right around 2000 doors. My, the goal I'm, Goal and target I'm looking at right now is is ten thousand doors, and that number will really let me start bringing more things in house. So we've got the construction in house right now, which you mentioned, and that helps us with the capex and executing the capex. But you know, eventually I'd want to bring in property management and maybe some other different aspects or functions. Yeah, it's interesting that you own a you know construction arm as part of the business plan because if you're involved in value add, a big part of it, a big portion of it is the construction, is the exterior innovation, the interior innovation. You're basically you're paying a premium as an owner of multifamily properties because you pay sometimes you pay your property management company to manage the property, they have, you know, construction fee, you pay premiums for all the different service providers and contractors and subcontractors, because you just need to hire multiple of them. And each of them is doing the flooring guy is separate from the countertop guys. And so it's from the painter and it's just managing multiple. It can get messy. You know, guys. Yeah, it does. It can get messy. Absolutely. So I'm actually curious, how did you start 
kind of building this this arm because obviously I can definitely see it as a cost saving, maybe not you know a, a revenue generator, but definitely on the cost saving side, that's helpful. Yeah, I started it because I wanted to scale, and this was um, back when I was doing mainly single family and some small multifamilies, but the renovation part was was kind of slowing me down, and it was uh, you know finding good general contractors was difficult to say the least. And um, I had some experience and, and I felt like I could just bring it in house and that way have more control of it and be able to then scale, which it worked out, you know, after about a, a year of structuring it and, and getting it ready, we were really able to take it to the next level as far as how many properties we can uh, renovate. And then I brought that same concept over to, to multifamily. The construction company had already started doing more larger projects, commercial and, and multifamily. So it was fairly easy to kind of bring that over. Interesting. So you basically turned it into, into a profit center then? Yeah. Very interesting. How long did it take you to do that? How long did it take you from thinking about, you know, I, I want to own a construction company to I own one now, and now we're also providing services to other owners? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I had a full set of hair before I started the construction company. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I started the company 11 years ago and it's been a journey. It's a lot of work. You know, you've got to build out that team. You got to make sure you're putting the right people in the right seats and definitely learned a lot, but it paid off in the the long run. Interesting. Yeah, to answer, you know, at some point, once I felt like I had the systems and processes and everything in place, that's when I I started going after more of the the third party type work. Got it. Yeah, which is kind of a natural progression. Give me some tips from uh, an owner of a construction company to an owner of multifamily that you know we don't have that we're hiring third party companies and our property managers are managing the work. What kind of tips do you have for me that are kind of important to know that can help us? maybe renovate units faster or or cut the costs or improve the process in any way? For sure. You know, one thing I see that investors don't do a lot is pre-plan and kind of get, get a final scope and put a lot of work on the front end instead of waiting to close and then then start thinking about the renovations and the CapEx. And I think it's mainly because a lot of the time syndicators are just so busy doing the raise of the equity which I get, but I think you need to set some time aside and, and really narrow down that scope for CapEx. And at that point, you can start doing pre-construction meetings. You can take your time hiring the contractor, you know, and make sure, do a lot of vetting of whoever you're going to hire and make sure that they're aligned with, they have the same vision you have and that they're aligned. And I say that because a lot of the times, you know, the property management company is going to get a percentage of your capex if you're going to have them manage it and sometimes that's ne- not necessarily the best thing they're not quite aligned there you know they're not too worried about finding the best deal and, and getting you the best price on things now we do do a lot of work with property management companies so i'm not saying all of them are like that but you know some some are so i would definitely I'm not asking everybody to start their own construction company or or get 
super involved in that part, but, but you have to have, you can't just completely count on the property management company. Yeah, I think you touched on a very interesting point because most property management companies, they actually have the, now that I'm think, really thinking about it, they actually have the opposite incentive. The higher the project cost, the higher the fee that they're going to get. And the other property management fee that they get, which is 2 to 3% of the gross incomes, it's got nothing to do with the CapEx. CapEx is a different animal. It's in a different bank account, different budgets. So it can be $10,000 a unit, while after a lot of negotiation, you can get the same work for 7000 That's 30% savings. It doesn't matter to them. In fact, they don't want to get to the 7000 per per door because they're getting, you know, they're charging a fee. fee. But, you know, not all companies are actually charging construction fee, but then they're not very incentivized to close as many units, to renovate as many units, you know, faster because it's just part of their other tasks such as renovating, do punch work, you know, doing carrying other things, you know, doing other things that they have. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. The construction company that you own, they basically do work on all your assets in Oklahoma and Florida, or you also hire third-party companies there? No, our, our construction company takes care of all our, our CapEx projects. So, I mean, we won't touch the maintenance. You know, the maintenance is, is for the property manager and our maintenance team, but the renovations and the deferred maintenance our construction company comes in and handles all of that. We've had good success. You know, it lets the property manager focus on their job, you know, manage the property and, and execute our business plan. Got it. Interesting. From a, a passive investor's point of view, I, I feel many times that the CapEx is not something that many investors focus on. They focus on premiums, they focus on maybe the scope, see before and after pictures when they're, you know, thinking about investing. They're looking at the maybe the debt structure. And of course, the main focus is their own, you know, the the cash on cash, the IRR. What should, in your opinion, what should what do you think are the things that passive investors when they're looking at a deal should focus on when they're considering whether to invest, when it comes to the CapEx, which is one of the things that many investors don't really pay attention to. No, I, I agree. And I, I've said this before where, you know, they should at least have an understanding of one question to ask would be, okay, in your CapEx plan, how much, let's say it's a million dollars, how much of that million is going towards deferred maintenance and how much of it is going towards upgrades? And kind of, start to paint the picture, you know, if they, if in their business plan and their projections, they've got $200 rent bumps and then 80% of their CapEx is on deferred maintenance, that's really not going to allow them to push those rents up, then it doesn't make sense. So I think that that's important and at least understanding that helps. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Just assuming that the sponsor is allocating the funds correctly could be could be a uh, you know a solid uh, assumption and could be you know it, it's it's not always very you know accurate and I've seen sponsors that got into trouble by basically not putting enough money for reserves by you know trying to just handpick very very 
few CapEx projects, but obviously there's more, you know, it depends on, of course, you know, obviously the newer, the, the investment, the, the, the less you need to spend on CapEx unless it's for interior innovation. But definitely, you know, being a very, I would say, aggressive on assumptions and assuming that you don't, you're not going to need really, you know, there's no need to raise $2 million extra for CapEx. We can handle with half a million. I'm going to keep the money. I'm only going to spend on what is necessary. Well, your property is going to deteriorate. The tenants are going to see that the property doesn't look as good because this property is like a car. You can't either. They need their maintenance. They need to be taken care of, even if they look you know, okay, then things are going to start breaking and tenants go to Google and they complain. <laughs> and, they sure do. and other, you know, new tenants go to Google also and they see the complaints and they don't even come and see the property. So you think, you know, even if you think you're saving money, you're actually losing a lot. And that of course drives the returns because you might be facing lower occupancy and you won't be able to push rents as much as you thought. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the, um, the deals that that run into issues, a lot of the issue is not bringing enough capital at closing, you know, underfunding the deal. So yeah, I think it's it's really important. And I was going to mention one other thing: if if the deal has a large capex budget, I would also dig in a little bit and ask the the sponsor team, like who's going to be managing this, who's going to be looking over it and making sure it's getting done right, because yeah, once again, it, you don't want it to be under undervalued. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that many investors, you know, overlook, and it's it's one of the things, I mean, CapEx is important, maybe even more than premiums, because premiums, you can get 150, you can get 180, but if you're missing half a million dollars for a roof, even though it's it's probably an insurance claim, but if you're missing that or if you don't have enough money to do maintenance and now you run into trouble because now you need to replace a big portion of the roof, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot more than missing $30 on average per unit or, or $10. That's, that tends to be the focus. Do you think you can get $200? Maybe it's going to be $180. Maybe it's going to be $150. How about $750,000 in expense? raise Exactly. That, that now, you don't yeah. have. Now what do you do? And definitely, I, I think the, the nightmare of every sponsor is to make this capital call and say, guys, we need another half a million dollars. That's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough. And the lenders, they don't allow you to take, you know, more loans. So that's going to be pretty, pretty challenging. So George, what, what excites you about 2021? We're recording this in December of 2020. It's probably going to be released either the last week of this year of, or, you know, the, during January of 2021. What excites you the most about 2021? I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about at this point. We can only go up from here, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm excited about when everything starts opening back up and, and the economy uh, really starts that, that rebound. You know, I think multifamily has, has proven itself through this pandemic. You know, there has been hurdles and issues, but overall, I think multifamily has proven itself. So I'm pretty excited about when the economy really starts rebounding and the way I've positioned myself to, to really start attacking things. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. That makes me excited also about 2021. It can only, I hope it will only, you know, get better from, from here. All right. So we've arrived to the lightning round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready for you. Let's All right. What's your favorite hobby? Favorite hobby? Yes. If you have time to do anything outside of work. <laughs> I really enjoy playing basketball. Very nice. All right. Competitive. And, and you, live in, you live in Dallas, so you can play outside probably all year round. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Maybe you have two weeks of below 60 degrees. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. And George, what's the number thing, the number one thing that most people don't know about you and you think that would be surprising to discover? I guess for some reason, my parents are Cuban. Some people are surprised by that. They don't think I'm Hispanic, but yeah. Okay. Were you born here in the States? I was. And what do you wish you had known when you just started out buying real estate? I always say this, but it's just, it just sticks with me. I wish I would have gone straight to multifamily and just skipped over the, the single family. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it from time to time. I think it's naturally people thinking I'm going to start small with one or two, three doors and then scale from there. That's going to prepare me for multifamily. But really, you know, if you build a strong team, that's that's all you need around you. And of course, the right education. But managing one door does not prepare you. Managing three doors, that doesn't prepare you to 100 or 50 doors. It's, it's a totally different game. Yeah. Different game. All right. George, what's your number one advice to a real estate investor who wants to scale their portfolio? Wants to scale. It's a good question. As a passive investor. As a passive investor. Okay. I would say, you know, vet your your sponsor teams extensively. Find the ones that you feel the most comfortable with and then kind of, you know, go on the ride with them. You know, make sure you get into each of their deals and really start building that relationship and make sure you track everything. You know, if you're looking to scale... Uh, make sure you track every single investment and look at the look at how they're doing quarterly and just adjust if you need to adjust. Mm-hmm. All right, George, where can people find you if they want to reach out to talk about investing or maybe hire your company as a construction company? Where can they find you? How can they do that? Yeah, on the investment side, they can go to my website, elevatecig.com. Uh, on the construction side, they can go to jnt construct.com and they can also shoot me an email if they'd like at george or spelled jorge j-o-r-g-e at elevatecig.com all right george thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it thank you thank you it was fun all right guys that's it for today be bold be great and keep moving forward i'll see you on the next episode
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.